morning church. I'm always glad to come before you and present the word of God. It is yet another blessed day the Lord has granted us in which we shall be glad and rejoice in it. And today again I've come to give us the word from the Lord. And before that, as always, I would like us to pray. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the gift of life that you've given each one of us. We give you praise. We give you glory. We pray that spirit of the living God, may you enable us to be able to hear your word, O God, and that we may be able to put it into practice to the glory of your name. I declare your blessings upon each one of us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. First of all, before I continue to, to speak the word, I would like to just appreciate the congregation for standing with me and my family in the past last week when my wife um, wasn't feeling too well. I'm so grateful, and as a family, we are so grateful that you really stood with us, encouragement, support, and in so many ways. God richly bless you. Amen. And because of that, I am here today standing courageously to speak the word of God again in Jesus' name. Let's turn our Bibles to the book of Leviticus chapter 17, verse 10 to 14. Leviticus chapter 17 Verse 10 to 14. The Bible reads, And if any native Israelite or foreigner living among you eats or drinks blood in any form, I will turn against that person and cut him off from the community of your people. For the life of the body is in its blood. I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given it is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible verse 12 That is why I have said to the people of Israel you must never eat or drink blood neither you nor the foreigners living among you and if any native Israelite or foreigner living among you goes hunting and kills an animal or bird that is approved for eating, he must drain its blood and cover it with earth. The life of every creature is in its blood. That is why I have said to the people of Israel, you must never eat or drink blood for the life of any creature is in its blood. So whoever consumes blood will be cut off from the community. Praise be to the name of the name of the Lord. So today I would like to talk about this interesting topic. And I'm glad that during communion, actually my sermon was hinted. Today I'm talking about the blood. And I've entitled the sermon as Life in the Blood of Christ. Life in the Blood of Christ. Now, I've deliberately begun from the book of Leviticus so that we can see the foundation where this blood issue is coming from. Now, the Bible is telling us that God gave the command to Moses and told him to say, tell the children of Israel that they should, even the foreigners among them, that they should not eat blood. They should not drink blood or eat anything that has blood in it. What does, what that, does that mean? What that means is that God had forbade the children of Israel or even the people living among them not to eat anything raw while there was blood in it. I, I know there are some people <laughs> that consider, uh, considers themselves very, very brave rather, and they, they eat raw, raw stuff. Um, yeah, they have, they have that grace, I can say. I don't have it anyway. <laughs> Though I was uh, a chief hunter in the village. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah, so God gave this command to say, 
you shall not drink blood nor shall you eat anything that contains blood in it and then he gave the reason as to why he said this is because every life of a living creature is in its blood amen the life of every creature is in its blood in other words god was saying that when you drink the blood it means you are drinking the life of that particular creature or that animal and then look at how he emphasizes the same statement comes over and over about 3 to 4 times he's repeating to say you shall not drink blood for the life of every creature is in its blood now we need to understand that blood is very important when we look at blood let's take for example the human body blood is very important in every human body and if a human being is to be called healthy then it means that their blood must be okay what do i mean by that if we if i fell sick right now for example of malaria it means that my blood has been tempered with by the mosquito <laughs> okay or if maybe uh take it for example cancer it means the blood has been tempered with most of the diseases that we face as children as children of god or as human beings i like saying children of god maybe it's because of being a preacher <laughs> as human beings it is usually something to do with blood for most diseases when you feel sick it means something is going on in your blood and the the disease mostly that can kill you actually will attack your blood that's why blood is very important and you know you, you the, the the medical doctors can explain all kinds of of the importance of the blood and all kinds of diseases when you trace them you are going to see that actually they attack the blood system that's why if we have the 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 the, the white blood cells that are not effective to fight back you know against the bacteria or the viruses or anything then we are going to face serious problems so the blood is very important and the bible here is telling us that life is in the blood of the living creature blood is important because when blood is drained out then it means life is being drained out now you might wonder to say why have i come with the blood you know when my wife was in the hospital and she was having that experience of losing blood and then she was she was given you know the three units of transfusion when i was looking at what was going on with her and then i began to contemplate and i began to think theologically <laughs> and the spirit of god started ministering to me about the importance of the blood i didn't tell her that this actually maybe she's listening she's just hearing it right now <laughs> that is where the same one was born amen <laughs> right in the hospital when i was waiting on her you know i was looking at at the blood you know blood was being put and she was losing blood and then the more blood was being lost the more weaker she was becoming and the more worry the doctors were becoming and nurses including me though i was being strengthened by the lord hallelujah now this is very important that's why god told the children of israel to say i have given you i have given you these animals let me let me read something here um praise the name of the lord the lord is saying that he had given the the animals the blood for purification when we see in uh, somewhere verse 11 there god is talking about purification 
being made possible by the blood. So God gave the clean animals to the children of Israel not only to be eaten, but also to be used for sacrifice. The only thing that could purge sin, that could cause God not to strike somebody dead, was the blood of the animals, of the lambs, of the bulls, of the goats. Now, let me explain a little bit about the Old Testament system. What used to happen when we go in Leviticus chapter 16, we are going to discover that two sons of Aaron, they had decided to go before the Lord and bent the fire, which was unholy, and immediately God struck them down, and they died. And after that, God spoke to Moses and told him to say, from today, I want you to give these commands to Aaron. I want Aaron you know, to have priests. Since he's already a priest, I want him to select his sons to have priests. And these are the regulations for the priests. And as a priest, whenever he comes before the presence of the Lord, he must first present the blood. He must first kill a lamb or a goat and present the blood before me for his personal sin offering as a priest. And after that, he must present another for the sins of the people. Now, you can imagine how much blood was being shed in the tabernacle. I just imagine, you know, how bloody, you know, the worship used to be. And now, we are, we are especially on the Day of Atonement, where every family was supposed to kill a lamb and offer sacrifice before God, and then the priest would go before them. Now you can imagine maybe 500,000 families, and each one of them kills a lamb or a dove or a pigeon. There was blood everywhere. <laughs> oh my goodness. And now, so... The priest was commanded to say he had to wear a specific attire for him to minister before the Lord. And he had to, to apply blood actually upon his hands, upon his feet, as well as upon his ears, upon his forehead. If you saw somebody do that this time, you can, you know, you can say this person is doing Satanism. But in those days... <laughs> It wasn't so. <laughs> Hallelujah. So you can imagine how the priest was looking. You know, blood, you know, by the feet, blood on the hands, blood in the ear and everything. So God had given specific instructions. And then the other thing that was done on the day of atonement was there was a goat that was to be used as a scapegoat. After everything has been done, this goat was to be laid upon. The priest was, was laying his hands upon it, and then this one wasn't being killed. And then he would release it into the wilderness. That God was representing the whole community as a scapegoat, meaning that it was bearing all the sins. By, 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 by the way of the laying hands of the priest upon the God, what that was happening is that the priest was transferring all the sins of the community upon that animal and then send it in the wilderness, wondering. Maybe it dies wherever it goes or it gets eaten. Uh, it, it, it meant that at that particular time, the community was freed from sin. At least for a period of 12 months, because the Day of Atonement used to come once a year. And the other thing that was happening with the priest is that the temple was created in such a way that it had stages. The first was the outer court, then the inner court, 
and then the holy of holies. Now, the outer court was uh, the place where mostly children, women, as well as uh, foreigners were gathering from. And then in the inner court, it is where now, you know, all the men and all those uh, uh, Jewish or Hebrew people were gathering, the, the priests and everyone. And then the Holy of Holies, that, that was the secret place now, like the bedroom in the temple. It is where the Ark of the Covenant was placed. And the priest was only, the high priest actually, not just a priest. The high priest was only allowed to enter the Holy of Holies once a year. And something used to happen for the high priest to access the Holy of Holies. It was first a dark place. And whenever the priest was to enter, they had to tie a rope on his right leg. And this rope was going all the way into the outer court, into, into, the, into the, the, the inner court, so that when he entered, no one was to accompany him. And if he had not done the priestly duties right, or if he was not right before God, and gets stricken by God, then the only thing the people would do was to pull that rope and pull the body out of the Holy of Holies. And of course, maybe they could again ask you to say, any volunteers, please? <laughs> and I hope, you know, people were agreeing to say, okay, it's me to go, after seeing your friend is being pulled out. Okay, so this is what used to happen. So, actually, the Old Testament way of worship was a most dangerous way, you know, to go before God. Because whenever God came down, it's either you get blessed or you get killed. There were, there, those were just the, the options that were there. You know, that's why at one, we know several stories where the children of Israel could cry to say, no, Moses, we want to do this. This time we want, you've been presenting us before God. This time we want God to come down so that we can talk to him face to face. And when God descended his glory on the mountain, fire was, was flashing everywhere. Again, they started crying and said, please, Go and speak on our behalf before God kills us. It was a dangerous thing to go before the Lord in the Old Testament. So all this was being made possible for human beings to access the presence of God by the use of the blood. And the blood that we are talking about here is the blood of the lambs, bulls, and goats. This is what made it possible. And so, we know that the Old Testament, all in all, did not really do a good job. Imagine, I've already mentioned about killing of animals. All the time, you have to shed blood of the animals for for, the, for, for God not to kill you. Or for the angel of death to pass over. That's where even the Passover is coming from in Exodus chapter 12 verse 23. It is the same story. God had promised to kill every first, firstborn in, in, uh, in Egypt. And he said, if the children of Israel are to be spared, let the blood be shed on their doorposts. Even if you are, you, are, you are an Israelite, but as long as there is no blood on the doorpost, the angel of death will come and enter. So it had to go with obedience. And they had to put that. And whenever the angel of death came and saw the blood, then he could pass over and go to the next door. Just like that. And those houses where there, were, there was no blood, firstborns were dying. Of everything. This is what happened. But the time came 
when there was now a shift. Everything that was done in the Old Testament was a shadow pointing to the reality. We've been studying the book of Colossians in, in the Bible study, you know, in which that is mentioned, that everything that was done was a shadow pointing to the reality. The reality is in Jesus Christ. So, since people could not manage to, be, to obey the law all the time and to provide the blood all the time, in fact, before I, before I proceed, in fact, even during the time of Jesus, when Jesus came and then he went to the temple to worship in Jerusalem, he found that because of this blood thing and, you know, animals and sacrifices, actually, the house of the Lord had been turned into a business. You can imagine people were coming from everywhere. Others maybe were moving, you know, for months, walking for months to just get to Jerusalem to worship the Lord on the Day of Atonement, to sacrifice. And because of different currencies, they had to change the money in order for them to buy the right sacrifice. And those money changers were doing some business. They were doing some forex right there in the temple, in the temple courts. And so then others were also selling the, 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 the animals. And when Jesus went there, he saw what was going on and his heart was broken. He decided to drive them out. The business was taking place because of the sacrificial system. So this is the reason why Jesus now had to come and change the entire system. Because blood was needed for human beings to be set free. For the penalty to be paid. Remember last time I was talking about uh, the fall of man in the book of Genesis. I was talking about death and life. How death was activated and death was demanding, you know, to kill. The penalty had to be paid. And there was no man on earth who was found worthy to die for another except Jesus Christ. We, we read about the first Adam and the second Adam being Jesus Christ. He's the only one who was worthy to come and die for our sin. By the shedding of the blood. So when we look at this Jesus Christ, especially in the book of Hebrews, we are going to see that Jesus Christ himself, he stands as a priest, as the high priest. Okay? He's going to, he's going to stand also, according to the Bible, as the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. When we, we see in the book of uh, John chapter 1, verse 29, the Bible says that on the next day, when Jesus was passing and John saw him, he made an announcement to the people to say, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That was referring to Jesus Christ. And the time came when Jesus had to die. We were just celebrating the Easter. You know, first at the crucifixion, Jesus was killed, and then the resurrection. Now, before Jesus was killed, on the night when he was betrayed, our dear sister did a great job during communion to read from that portion of scripture. He took up the bread and broke it and said, eat. In fact, he said, this is my body. Eat. It is my body which is broken for the forgiveness of your sins. And then after that, he also took the cup of the wine. Now I'm coming to explain that. And he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. Drink. Praise the name of the Lord. 
for the remission of your sins, for the forgiveness of your sins. Now, when we look at all this that Jesus came to do about the blood, to offer the blood in order to redeem, we must understand that without the blood of Jesus, there is no redemption. It, it was only the blood of Jesus that came to fulfill the wrath of God, to pay the penalty. And we know that something happened while Jesus was on the cross of Calvary. The Bible says that there was an earthquake, according to the book of Matthew. There was an earthquake, the ground shook. And then there was an earthquake which went all the way to the temple and ripped off the curtain that was in the temple. Now, the curtain which was ripped off was the curtain which was demarcating the inner court of the temple and the holy of holies. The one that was hiding the inner place, the holy of holies, where the ark of the covenant was, in which the high priest would go once a year and sprinkle the blood on the mercy city. So that was ripped apart and exposed, meaning that Jesus Christ became the ultimate high priest. There was no more need for people to be entering the holy of holies and offer the blood of animals other than his blood. Hallelujah. So, I want us to understand something. I want to, I want to talk about two things here. I want to talk about the purpose of the blood or the use of the blood. Why the blood of Jesus? What was its purpose? As I've already mentioned, I've mentioned about redemption. And then I will later finish with talking about how can we apply this blood. Amen? Now, as I've already said, after Jesus Christ died on the cross, in fact, before he died, in the book of John chapter 6, and uh, verse 52 there to 54, Jesus Christ was talking about, he was telling the disciples to eat his flesh. He said, if you want to live, you must eat my flesh. <laughs> and the Bible says that at that time, many of his disciples deserted him because they looked at him and said, hey, this man now wants us to be cannibals. Why does he want us to begin to eat his flesh? They didn't really understand what Jesus was saying. And then he complicated things again, made things worse by saying, and you must drink my blood. They said it is now finished. A lot deserted Jesus. They left him. And the Bible says that Jesus turned to his disciples, the twelve, and said, are you also going to leave me as these have left me? Peter, the man who was the liaison, the spokesperson, he stood up and said, where can we go, our Lord? For your words are life and the spirit. Amen. Where can we go? For your words are life and the spirit. So Jesus was presenting these images about eating his flesh, drinking his blood. And then the time came on the last day, on the last supper. Then he made that declaration. In fact, what we need to remember is that on the last supper, what Jesus was celebrating was actually the Passover. Amen? He was celebrating the Passover which had been practiced 4,000 years before by the people of Israel. And so he was 
commemorating that as well, celebrating, eating with them. And as he was doing that, then he brought the revelation, the fulfillment, and told them to say, this time, break this bread, eat of it, for it represents my body. Before they did not know, they were just commemorating the Passover which had happened in Egypt. But this time, Jesus gave a vivid interpretation and said, this is my body. Eat, for it is broken for you for the forgiveness of sins. And then later he got the cup and presented it to them and said, drink, for this is my blood that is shed. It is the blood of the new covenant. Meaning that I am doing away with the old way, with the old system of sacrifice. Now I am the perfect sacrificial lamb. I will not just represent you to be holy before God only for 12 months for one year. So that again next year you can come back and seek another redemption. No, I'm doing it once and for all. That was the purpose of the blood of Jesus. The purpose of the blood of Jesus was for redemption. Jesus brought redemption through his blood. Without the shedding of the blood of Jesus, there is no remission of our sin. Hallelujah. The writer of Hebrew, of the book of Hebrews, in chapter 9, verse 13 to 14, and chapter 10, verse uh, 4, says the same thing. That all those, you know, blood of the bulls, and uh, the lambs, the goats, did not fulfill the purification, the forgiveness. But the blood of Jesus brought the purification of our consciences. Now, what that means is that even when those even when those animals were killed and then blood of the animals was laid on the altar before the Lord, people's conscience was, wasn't freed, you know. People were, in other words, people were still feeling that guiltiness. That fear was still in them. But the blood of Jesus bring a different dynamic or trajectory. He cleanses and purifies our conscience. Our conscience is clear. That guilt is removed by the power of the blood. Amen? And so, even when you come before God to pray, you are not going to feel that guilty, to feel you know, to, to be clouded with that conscience to say, am I right before God or not? The blood of Jesus cleanses. It purifies us. Hallelujah. The other thing that we need to understand is that, as I've already mentioned, the blood of Jesus established a new covenant. A new agreement between man and God. The old one was of the law. You break the law, you obey the law, you get blessed. You break the law, immediately you receive the penalty of death. We know so many stories where people died. Akan is one example. And now, the sad part is that if I, Stephen, committed a sin, not only me was going to face the penalty, but my entire household, the Mubanga clan, will all be killed. Oh my goodness. So that was what was going on. But Jesus brought the new covenant. This covenant, I can call it the covenant of peace, the covenant of grace, the covenant of mercy, the covenant of hope. This is the covenant in which we are right now, in which we can stand before God confidently, 
present our burdens before him. Even when we, f- we feel that we've sinned before him, we have confidence to go before him in prayer and confess our sins. And he's faithful and just to forgive us. Hallelujah. This is the advantage that we have. If it was in the Old Testament, I don't know if, he, if, if even myself could have been here up to now. Maybe I could have done something, you know, that could have made God to strike me immediately. But we have the privilege through the blood of Jesus Christ. This blood of the new covenant has removed the covenant of death which was there because he himself took upon the penalty of death on our behalf and he set us free. Hallelujah. Therefore, the blood of Jesus Christ gives life. There is life in the blood of Jesus. Now, when we talk about life in the blood of Jesus, sometimes we begin to to think, to say, okay, yes, the blood was shed thousands of years ago. Then how how, how does it work? How, How do I experience Am I supposed to see it physically somewhere or what? This is done through faith. You don't need to see the blood. That system of seeing physical blood of birds, of animals, has already been done away with. This time, you and me only need to do one thing, to have faith in the Lord. And acknowledge to say, He has already done it on our behalf. And then, as we believe in the Lord, then the blessings is going to follow to the glory of his name. Now, I want to read uh, another scripture in the book of uh, Revelation. Revelation chapter 12. I know uh, this is one of... uh, the interesting scriptures that we have in the New Testament. Revelation chapter 12, uh, reading from verse 7 to 11. The Bible says, Then there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down on the earth with his angels, with all his angels. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last, salvation and power, and the kingdom of our God. And the authority of his Christ for the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Glory be to the name of the Lord. Now, this is a flashback of what was going on. When you go in the in the in the in the beginning, you know, of this chapter when you when you read even going forward actually, you are going to hear that the dragon will start doing warfare also with a woman. Okay? And then the sun, and, and, and so on and so forth, which is depicted as the woman represents Israel, and then the sun represents Jesus Christ, the dragon fighting the sun, pursuing, trying to take his life, is symbolized in, 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 in the figure of King Herod. The one who wanted to deceive the wise men, saying, "If you, whenever you find out the exact spot where this baby king has been born, come back to me. 
Tell me so that I may also go and worship him and present gifts. But in his heart, he was planning to go and kill this rival who was about to overthrow him as a king. That was a dragon trying to silence the life of the young Jesus. But Jesus was preserved. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, the Bible tells us that there was war in heaven between Michael and his angels. Now, Michael is known as the commander, is known as the archangel who commands the armies of the Lord. We see him even in the Old Testament during the time of Daniel. He manifested, you know, when angel Gabriel was uh, detained. So Michael is the commander in chief, so to say. <laughs> and then we have Gabriel, who is the messenger in chief, or maybe director. I don't know the title that I can give him. Okay? And so, this is how they operate. Even Satan, as I mentioned, as I echoed last, last time, he was also in the form of, uh, in the ranks of the cherubim. You know, in the ranks of these uh, seraphims, actually. These are, and is known to be somebody who was highly anointed to worship God. According to Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. But because falsehood was found in him, he was kicked out. And so this is the flashback which we are being showed here by John the Apostle. We need to understand that the book of Revelation, it talks about the past, the present, and the future. And so here is narrating about what happened. How this guy, Satan, and his angels were kicked out of heaven by the death of Jesus Christ. The Gospels doesn't tell us, but John had to go in the spirit to see what happened up there. During that time when Jesus had died and resurrected. Amen. So he has told us to say this is what happened. He was hauled down. He was kicked out of heaven and brought down. And then the Bible says that they defeated him. Who? Us, the believers. They defeated him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Now, this shows us now how we are supposed to apply the blood. How do we use this blood? We can use this blood by confession, by speaking, by making declaration, by testifying. How do we testify? By saying that I am redeemed of the Lord. Hallelujah. We need to make these declarations. When you are sick, you have to make a declaration. You have to testify to say, by his stripes, I am healed. When you feel oppressed, you have to say that I have been delivered through Christ's death on the cross of Calvary. He broke the chains, the bondage that was upon my life. And now I am free in Christ. You make those declarations. The Bible says that they defeated him by the blood of the lamp and the word of their testimony. So we need to testify. We need to testify our faith and we need to share it with others. Amen. The psalmist says in the book of uh, uh, Psalm 107 and verse 2, he talks about, he asks, he, he, asks, he asks a question to say, has the Lord redeemed you? Then, speak it out. According to New Living Translation. Other Bible version says that let the redeemed say so. Amen. Let the redeemed say so. Speak it out. Has the Lord delivered you? Has the Lord redeemed you? Has the Lord saved you? Show your salvation. Show your redemption. Show your deliverance by testifying to others. And by doing that, you are declaring the victory that you have in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. When you feel afraid, you need to stand up and say, I am 
more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who first loved me. No power of death, no power of principalities, darkness, demons can withstand me or separate me from the love of Christ. Hallelujah. When I was just uh, coming up in the ministry in my areas as a young youth, I was encountering demonic powers. You know, I told you the story uh, before. When I first cast out the demon, the lady manifested, you know, she was actually of uh, a wonderful size. She manifested and started kicking, you know, everywhere in the, in, the, in the living room. And so I was very afraid. I was shaking. I didn't know what to do. And so out of fear, I started, stre- I, I stretched my hand and I started shouting, blood of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And then as I was doing that, I was doing it out of fear. This lady started retreating and shouting, ah, every time I did that, she was like dodging and then shouting. Then I realized, I said, oh, this thing is working. <laughs> and then I added the momentum. I started shouting on top of my voice and charging. And later, she fell down and the demons left her. From that day, <laughs> I was confident and I knew to say, okay, in the name of Jesus, and by declaring the power of the blood, no demon can stand against me. And I went ahead and started casting as many as I could in Jesus' name. So there is power in the blood of Jesus. In this blood, that's where there is life. Hallelujah. So we need to make a declaration. We need to testify about what God has done in our lives. If he has healed you, you need to stand and make this declaration to say the Lord has done it. Amen. If you see people are feeling afraid, they are discouraged, you need to stand and testify and encourage them. And by doing that, you are applying the blood of Jesus. Let the redeemed say so. Glory be to the name of the Lord. So, let me read another scripture very quickly. One verse. Um, I can just quote. The Bible says that First uh, John chapter 1 verse 7. First John chapter 1 verse 7. Still about the blood of Jesus. The Bible says, but if we are living in the light, just as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from sin. That's another use of the blood. How do we apply this blood? We must understand that the blood cleanses us from sin. That shows a continuous process. Amen? It's an imperative that it is something that is going on, you know. Of course, Jesus, when he died on the cross, he cleansed us from our sins. But you need to make a declaration. You need to make this confession that your sins are forgiven. When you feel, remember, we've read in the book of Revelation that the dragon, Satan, the old serpent, is the accuser of our brothers and sisters. And he keeps on accusing them day and night. Not just one day and he knocks off. Day and night, he accuses them. How does he do that? He will use other people to speak, to accuse you, but mostly he is going to use you yourself to accuse you. How does he do that? He's going to be speaking Words of discouragement to you by telling you to say, you think you can be committed to your God and continue to be praying every day or maybe going for the gathering or worshiping in the praise and worship or doing this. No, remember what you did 
yesterday. Remember what you did last year. Remember what you did 10 years ago. Remember what you did 20 years ago. Your God has not yet forgiven you. You are a sinner. And every time you, you remember that, you feel even maybe traumatized or discouraged. And then you even lose the morale to pray. But I'm here to tell us that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sins. Not for, from some, but from all. Hallelujah. Also, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. The blood of Jesus delivers us from the power of Satan. Ephesians 2, verse 13. The blood of Jesus has brought us near to God. After Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, Man was driven out of the presence of God. But when Jesus came and shed that blood on behalf of humanity, the blood of Jesus was pure. It had no gall in it. It had no disease in it. It was perfect. And therefore, it brought us back to the lost relationship that we had with God. In other words, he reconciled us back to the Father. He brought restoration upon the fellowship that had been lost. Jesus has redeemed you and me from the power of Satan. The demand which the accuser was placing, or maybe has been placing upon you, saying, you know, those terms like lawyers who understand better, you know, when you go to court, somebody will be there to accuse you <laughs> of your crime as a prosecutor, to say, this is what this person committed, and the penalty for doing this is this. And here comes our faithful advocate, Jesus Christ, he says, I already paid it on his behalf. So, the crime has already been paid for. I've already suffered on his behalf. Why are you troubling him? Amen? So, I want us to be encouraged that we must be, we must realize the power of the blood. And this blood as we, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, the Holy Communion, we must remember that we don't just do it as a religious ritual. Jesus himself made a proclamation and assured us that whenever you eat of this bread, do it in remembrance of me. This is my body. Remember. So he was saying that on a daily basis or on a weekly basis or every time you partake of this, remember that I've already paid it all for you. Remember that I've already died for you. Remember that I have delivered you, that I've defeated the power of Satan, of sin over your life. Remember, 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 remember. He wants us to be remembering all the time. Do it in remembrance. Not just to remember to say, no, Jesus came. Remember that he died. That was the meaning. And as we partake, there is a miracle actually that takes place. As you believe and you are partaking the Holy Communion, there is a miracle. I've heard testimonies of people getting healed from their diseases, from their sickness, just by partaking the Holy Communion. There's a miracle. We proclaim Jesus. Life, death, 
resurrection and his forthcoming. So, the blood of the new covenant is very important in our lives. This blood has brought freedom upon each one of us. This blood has brought life instead of death in our, in, in our lives. Let us always remember that. And let us always remember that the accuser, no matter how many words is going to whisper of negativity over our lives, let us remember that Jesus has already cleansed us from our past sins, our present, and our future as we continue to make the proclamation and the declarations. Hallelujah. So, we should quit of feeling guilty of ourselves all the time. Feeling pity to say, I am not worthy to be before God. I'm not. Jesus paid a price by dying, surrendering his life for you and me. He was the atoning sacrifice for us, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17, and the Bible says that if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. All the things have passed away, and behold, the new has come. We have the new life in the new covenant of the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Let us remember that. There is life in the blood of Jesus. There is healing in the blood of Jesus. There is deliverance in the blood of Jesus. There is power in the blood of Jesus. There is protection. Anything that you want to decree upon the blood, it is there. And it is available to work for you. Though it was shed thousands of years ago, this blood has not Crotted out, you know. There was no blood crot whereby it ceased, you know, to be powerful. It is still active and powerful. Amen. Glory be to the name of the Lord. So, from today, I want us to remember that the, the life that we have, it is through the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross of Calvary. And there is no condemnation. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, that for there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit set me free from the law of sin and death. Why did Paul say that? He said, now, now what? Now that Christ came and died for you and me, there is no more condemnation. Hallelujah. So we must arise with confidence to call upon the name of the Lord. Every time to call, to declare the power of this blood. And as you realize as you realize, as you pray and declare the power of this blood, you are going to see miracles taking place. I have seen the power of the blood taking, working in my life, in my family's life. I have seen it at work and in other people's lives. I want to encourage you that declare the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And you see deliverance coming over your life. If there are those that may be watching and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. No matter what the enemy has been telling you, accusing you to have done, that you are not worthy. Remember that Jesus paid it all on the cross. The blood cleanses you. The blood has redeemed you. A ransom was paid. It is available for your salvation. It is available.
The Bible says that, what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God, that, that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For it is with your mouth that you confess and are justified. Hallelujah. So, I want us to remember this. There is power in the blood. Sometimes we just sing for the sake of singing. There is power, power, wonder-waking power in the blood of the Lamb. Just for the sake of the song. But actually, (laughs) there is true power for sure in the precious blood of Jesus. There is no any other blood. Because, you see, this blood is very unique. And actually, it's a mystery. When you think about it, this blood is a mystery. You know? Whereby, you know, the way God was working things, even in the Old Testament, the blood of the animal was representing a human being, you know? It was standing for for the, for, for the sacrificer, the one who was sacrificing, it was speaking for the person. Forgiveness. And then when Jesus came, he even made a declaration to say, this is the blood that has been broken, that has been spilled for the forgiveness of your sin. It continues to liberate. And in fact, this power of the blood started working right there on the cross. According to the book of John, the Bible says that the soldier wanted to confirm the death of Jesus. He went and struck him on the side. Water and blood gushed out. And the man immediately believed that surely this one was the Messiah. And he gave his life to Christ. Amen. So, let us believe. And the Lord will bless us to the glory of the name of the Lord. I want us to just pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift up each one of us before you, O God, this morning. I pray, declaring the power of the blood of Jesus Christ upon each one of us. Let the blood cleanse us from all our wrong thoughts, O God, from all our fears, from all our wrong conscience that the enemy has been putting upon our lives. We pray right now that the power of the blood Cleanse us, O God, in the name of Jesus. I pray that let the power of the blood manifest healing upon those that are sick right now. I declare the power of the blood to manifest deliverance upon all those that are bound right now. Those that are oppressed by the devil or demons. I pray right now let the blood of Jesus speak a better word. Lord, I say thank you because your blood did not cry for vengeance like the blood of Abel, but it cried for redemption of those that you love, which is us. Blessed be your name, Lord. I declare the power of the blood to bring deliverance. Let the power of the blood bring restoration upon the broken relationships. Let the power of the blood reconcile lives back to God. In the name of Jesus, I declare the power of the blood, Lord, upon our lives from today. May you grant us the confidence, Lord, to be able to stand before you and indeed to pray with confidence in Jesus' mighty name. I pray that, Lord, cause us to realize that no matter how much the enemy can accuse us through his negative voices, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you will always remind us that Jesus has redeemed us from the power of sin. 
Jesus has redeemed us from the power of death. Jesus has redeemed us and healed us from all manner of diseases. Blessed be your name, Lord. We give you praise, Father. We give you glory. Hallelujah. I speak your blessings upon the congregation right now, upon our families, upon each one of us. I pray that, oh God, even as we continue to partake of the communion each day, I decree that, oh God, cause each one of us to come to that realization of the power of the blood that is in the elements that we partake of the bread and of the wine which is represented in the juice in Jesus' mighty name. We give you glory, Lord. We give you praise. And we thank you, Jesus, that you came and died for us and paid all the penalty that was due to us. Thank you for reconciling us back to God. Thank you for bringing blessings upon us. Thank you for granting us freedom. Thank you for bringing life instead of death. In Jesus' name we pray. And if there are those that would like to receive Jesus, maybe you are just joining us for the first time, I would like to lead you to, to the Lord right now. Just repeat after me by faith. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you came and died for me. Today, I choose to accept you as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. And lead me into the path of righteousness. For your name's sake. Write my name in the book of life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. The Lord bless you and the Lord favor you. Always remember that there is life in the blood of Jesus. There is power in the blood of Jesus. They are all blessings that you and me needs in the blood of Jesus. We only need to testify and speak it out. Let the redeemed say so, that they are blessed in the name of Jesus. Let the redeemed say so, that they are healed in the name of Jesus. Let the redeemed say so, that they are set free in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Shalom.